Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 467, Look Out for Murder Toilets. I'm Keith. <laughs> we lost Sean, I think. Are you still there? <laughs> it helps if I plug the cable I'm, in on both ends. I'm Glenn. How are you guys doing? Testing. Hello? <laughs> we can hear you. I'm just messing oh. with you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I'm, couldn't figure out why okay. I wasn't connecting. It's like, well, if I connect both cables, maybe that makes a a, a, a bit of a difference. So <laughs> you're a lot cleaner now, too. Oh, good. <laughs> you're not even <laughs> skyping now. <laughs> so happy I can help. Who knew? <laughs> you got to plug both ends of the cable in. Uh, I'm Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Did you miss us? <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. We've gotten rusty. <laughs> How have you guys been? <laughs> you want to go again? <laughs> I'm fine, but either way. <laughs> I don't uh, think he heard my opens. No, so. I don't think he did. It was good, too. I, I, I don't was know completely they, unplugged. I so do not I know that you will get the reaction out of me that you did, Keith. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Just keep rolling, and you do the intro again, and then I'll laugh, and you get both of them. <laughs> just splice them together. I don't know. Now the pressure is probably too great. I may not think it's all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> Glenn's reaction was as, as the best I could hope for. Uh, well, you dear listener, doing? you're now ahead of me. I will have to go back and listen to this after it's been edited. So I will be on the same page. If you're listening to this, you've heard it before I have. Uh Oh, did you guys do anything fun this week? I fought with my internet. (laughs) (laughs) Right up until this show. (laughs) A near thing. (laughs) Keith, did you watch anything? I finished watching Star Wars Resistance. Mm. I don't know if I'd recommend it. Did did it get any better? Not really. Uh The end of season one got really good. And then season two picks up. And it's got a cool idea to it, but it's got like nothing to do with the resistance. It's a fine Star Wars story, but it's not what I was tuning in to watch, if that makes sense. And the main character doesn't really grow and become a better person. He's still a bumbling idiot throughout the entire thing. When did that release initially? Was that just with the first film or was or near the first film or was that still releasing during Jedi, Last of the Jedi? I think it was season two is set after last Jedi. See, and I wonder if the schizophrenic so, nature of the new, <laughs> new trilogy, wonder if that kind of threw that. Oh, sure. Course. Let's blame Ryan Johnson for something else. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I don't think, I think there's plenty of blame to go around, but I think also that I think the idea that, that I, you, I don't think you can argue that things sort of tr- changed from the way JJ thought it was going to the way, Ryan took it. And so I think that there was probably that peripheral stuff like resistance that probably got affected by that, not knowing where everything was going to end up. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. Well, and I think, I think a large part of it probably is also, you know, they weren't let in on what was going to happen in the movies at all. Right. Right. It almost seems like yeah. not, never lined what rise of Scott where at the end was going to be just what the next movie was going to be. Right. Exactly. Because you can tell like, they go to break and come back and then last Jedi have come out. So they've adjusted what they're doing almost because they eventually go to Dakar and find the abandoned base because they've had to evacuate. And, but it takes a while to even get to that point. And it's, it's just not nearly as I, I expected more from Dave Filoni and he's yeah. the reason why I gave it a shot. Sure. Sure. Sean, do you watch or do anything? Uh, getting my, uh, my Halloween groove on as it's that time of year and, uh, watched scary stories to tell in the dark mm. from last year. Anybody seen that one? I haven't. It's mm-hmm. on my watch list now. It was, uh, I was pretty impressed. It's a very effective, very scary, uh, 
kind of movie for being what amounts to, you know, based on a, a young teen kind of uh, goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And it's a PG-13 rating, but you wouldn't necessarily know it. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm a pushover. I'll freely admit yeah. that. So. Well, that's what I've heard, though, is that it, it they do a nice job of skirting that line without going over it. I don't know, maybe because I was a kid when I read those. Those were scarier than Goosebumps. Well, yeah, I was going to say they, they've always been touted as being much scarier than even Goosebumps were. I believe it because, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one, it, it, was, it was pretty good. Uh, and then we've been, uh, we finished season one of Avatar and are mm-hmm. uh, working into season two and uh, enjoying it immensely. And Shy and I have also started uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Mm. Which might just be the second greatest thing ever. <laughs> it, it is an absolute blast. It is a lot of fun. There are some great characters, and I laugh every episode unexpectedly. Oh wow! Um, it's it's not it, this is not your mama Shira. I'll just say that. <laughs> so yeah, now we're having fun. Yeah, we've kind of got our Halloween groove on too. We got decorations up uh, over the weekend, and then. Uh, I started reading, I actually started reading a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, I went back and I've started reading Tomb of Dracula, which was a Marvel series from the 1970s. I think it started in 72, maybe. Um, they've got a, a, them collected. I think the first 10 is in the volume that I have now, 10 or 12 issues, uh, which is pretty kind of interesting. I, I had forgotten how narrative comics felt they needed to be back then in that they're explaining everything that they're doing it's almost like watching an audiobook was there explaining mm-hmm. everything that they're doing and i think you don't you don't the the art is good enough to convey what's happening here you don't have to say what is happening as well but i i think that was just i think more that was more or less a way for the writers to convey to the artists what they needed to be what needed to be drawn there but it just it's it, it but it, it's good it's interesting it's a lot of fun i i had read some of the back issues over the years but i'd never gone from issue one uh to you know as i think that series the first iteration of that iteration of that ran until 79 or 80 maybe even um so it, it's good i'm enjoying it it's it's, it's a kind of a throwback to the you know the old old school comics, but it's good. And then the other thing we did, uh, and I had just recently—I didn't know about this until recently—but just stumbled across, I guess Rankin and Bat, Rankin Bass, who did the you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. I guess in the nineteen seventies, early seventies, they tried to do a TV series, and I think it was called Family Classics or something like that. I don't think it got off the ground. They had intended to do a lot of classic novels or like the classic books, Alice in Wonderland, those kind of things. Well, the one that they <laughs> did do that ties into Halloween was called Jack O'Lantern. And uh, it's a traditional animation, so it's not stop motion like most of theirs. It's It actually looks more like Frosty the Snowman. Um, but it's it's a weird... I, I, I'm not even sure it was like designed to be a Halloween story. But, well, the reason I say that is because the it's these kids that find a pumpkin and they carve the pumpkin in order to make a scarecrow and find out that the pumpkin that they've grabbed is the pumpkin home of a leprechaun who's living in it. What is with Rankin Bass and this leprechaun? I know, right? Uh, anyway, this le- leprechaun apparently lives in this jack-o'-lantern, and then when it becomes, he's magical. So he, when it, they make him the scarecrow, he's you know got like a pumpkin head and everything, and and the the the, the crops in this place are dying, and they blame Jack blames well the farmers blame bad spirits, and Jack reveals that it is black bad it is. Uh, dark spirits it's demons and this particular witch and a warlock and <laughs> jack ends up having this battle with this witch and this warlock and these like really poorly drawn drawn like ghosts and demon that they keep referring to as demons um it's interesting to say the least it is not on par with a lot of Franken path stuff, <laughs> but it is You're really YouTube. selling it. To yeah. Play. You I'm can find that. it on YouTube if you want to check it out. And it's only, you know, it's traditional length only for, uh, like frosty was like 23, 24 minutes. It's about that long. So that's about as much as I could tolerate of it. But, 
I don't know that it'll become a yearly um, viewing choice for me, but I'm glad I stumbled across <laughs> it. All right, well, let's move on to news. A couple of bits of news this week. Uh, just today, actually, uh, BBC announced a new Blu-ray box set that ties in the Time Lord Victorious. It is a collection of several stories, classic and new, that act as a road to the dark times. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the stories featured, included? the stories featured in the Blu-ray are Planet of the Daleks, which was uh, a uh, third doctor story. Genesis, the Daleks, which is the uh, fourth doctor story, the deadly assassin, which again is a fourth doctor story, state of decay, another fourth doctor story, curse of Fenric, which is a seventh doctor story, runaway bride, which was a 10th doctor story and waters of Mars, which is also a 10th doctor story. I think what's interesting about this is that inside it has a guide from kind of the uh, producer of the Time Lord uh, uh, Time Lord Victorious series that kind of explains a longer narrative of how they fit or how they how they fit into the longer narrative of Time Lord Victorious. That and most really importantly, cool. for those of you like myself that are maybe missing a certain episode, like Curse of Fenric, <laughs> here's another opportunity to get it. So now you can get it twice on Blu-ray. I know. And Sean doesn't have it once on DVD. I don't even have it once on DVD yet. I think the thing that worries me about this is, be- and probably because it does not say anything about uh, U.S. release, uh, right now, I believe that 9th of November release is U.K. only. And I don't see yeah, I anywhere so where it says that this will be a uh, Region 1 release. So this may not be your opportunity to get it unless you have a Region Free player. Well, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, too, from the standpoint that uh, Paramount did this with Star Trek. They released uh, the DVD box sets of, like, holodecks. And so they just crammed a whole bunch of holodeck adventures onto a a three-disc set or uh, a Q. And they did all the Q stories or the Borg and that kind of thing. And it kind of makes me wonder if this isn't the first volley in an attempt to maybe repackage some of these things, like we're going to get a Dalek set, we're going to get a... They've done a little bit of that over in the UK, but um, I could see, you know, because we Americans like our box sets. Yeah, no, I don't... Yeah, that could be. I mean, they they certainly have packaged up Doctor Who stories before uh, with Daleks and Cybermen and things like that. But I think you're right, Sean. I think that's always sort of been more of a targeted to the u.s audience for for people that aren't necessarily going to pick up an entire series but might pick up you know a few episodes that are boxed together and themed the river song chronicles yeah yeah is the planet of the daleks on that uh pertwee box set previously is this Uh, the first time planet of the daleks is on blu-ray let me let me reach over here and i'll find out (laughs) (laughs) as glenn pulls it off the shelf it is, in fact, on the uh, John Pertwee Complete Season 4 box set. Okay, I couldn't remember what season it was. I That's don't, the other interesting thing yeah. about this, is all of these are already, already out on Blue Ray. Yeah. Uh, it's not interesting to me. I think that they knew that they had these available, and that's why they chose these. Makes me wonder how much some of them really connect to <laughs> well the dark times. To be honest with you, I think that that's probably why that they got James Goss to maybe kind of put the context together to kind of connect the dots. I certainly think that obviously Planet and Genesis are on here because these are Dalek heavy stories in the Time Lord Victoria series. Uh, Deadly Assassin obviously is going to tie back to Time Lord Society. Uh, State, State, State of Decay, Decay is, is, yeah, connects with something that, that we'll be reviewing, in fact, today. Uh, Curse as well it would be another entity that was there in the dark times. Runaway Bride, I think, only is on there because that, those are really the first glimpses we get of uh, Ten going into Time Lord Victorious mode uh, when Dawn is calling him off. And then Waters of Mars, obviously, is I think the kind of to me Waters of Mars is the catalyst for this entire yes. time, time Lord Victorian yeah, ser- series. So, I, I think I, I think it's actually a good selection, even even though it was probably out of convenience that they already had these, uh, you know, ready for Blu-ray. I think that this is 
a good set in order to, especially with Goss providing a, a narrative to kind of connect the dots. I think I need to refresh myself on Planet of the Daleks to really know for sure if I think it well, really I, belongs or if it's just loosely connected because it's a Dalek. Well, that, I think I think it is. I think I think those are the two that are because I think they wanted two Dalek stories because they the Daleks are featured. I think they and wanted. They sell. What's that? And they sell. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think that they they want a deadly assassin, obviously, because it connects Time Lord Society. And then and then as we said with State of Decay and Chris Fenwick, they are stories that are, you know, at least rooted in dark time characters. So Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I don't think I'll run out and buy this, obviously, because I own everything. <laughs> I own everything in this set already on Blu ray. So it doesn't make any sense for me to get them. But uh, I would be interested interested to have or at least view the uh, the um, guide from uh, Goss that kind of connects. Oh yeah, so if I definitely a, want to read that. If there was a way to get a hold of that. That'd be cool. Well, they had a little another little announcement announcement, didn't they, uh, Keith? Yes, they have announced a new audio drama to be a part of Time Lord Victorious. This one features the Fourth Doctor in a story called. Genetics of the Daleks, written by Jonathan Morris. We like Jonathan Morris. <laughs> yeah. And this and one this features story... as a prequel to the uh, Escape Room uh, story, um, A Dalek, a Dalek Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Does it say, is that a full audio, Keith, or is it a short trip, or do we know? It doesn't really specify, so I'm assuming it's at least an hour. It's only like eight ninety nine on the website, so... I don't know if that gives you an indication of length. It, it says full cast audio drama. So again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's that, 60 minutes. Yeah. It does, well, it doesn't. Ah, oh, I just double checked it. Okay. As I say, that doesn't really translate into, you know, length, but full cast audio drama tells me it's not going to be Tom doing all the characters. Right. No, it's, it's probably more in line with the, the fourth doctor adventures kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the date on that? Sometime in December 2020. <sighs> Making me wait. <laughs> the nice thing about the time going back to the Blu-ray, the price point for this box set in the UK is only twenty two ninety nine, so it's significantly lower than the actual season box sets. Well, it is, but all you're getting are the episodes, are the, the stories, yeah, are the and stories, the book, but, right? So yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it it's Blu-ray and it's also it's upconverted video, but it's still not blue. You know what I mean? They've upconverted the video, but it's still not Blu-ray quality. So it still doesn't require a lot of room. You right. can probably get it on three discs, you know. In fact, the the tenant ones are only an hour long. Well, were the specials? It still seems hour? like an awful yeah, lot of material though for only twenty bucks. Oh no, it's I'm not I'm not underselling the the, the quality here, but the my point is it's not. It's not get... taking them a lot to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not investing a lot of money in order to do this. So the the return. No, on not, neither did Paramount with those box sets. <laughs> right, right. So the return on it doesn't have to be huge, which I appreciate. So very cool. All right. Well, let's move on to um, our reviews. I don't have a synopsis for the first thing. Yeah, I don't think that there's. I don't think it's very easy to get a synopsis for the first thing since it was a short story. Uh, do you want to give yeah. a little setup on where the where that came from, though? Go for it. <laughs> I'm still not entirely clear where it came from. I... Okay, so <laughs> this is a short story that uh, was released uh, with the. Uh, if you signed up for the Doctor Who newsletter from Doctor Who uh, TV, uh, you got a special. Um, passcode basically uh, that unlocked the story of the dawn of the how do you say it Katara Katura um, them, so, them folk yeah so and basically you got you know you signed up for the newsletter and then you got the newsletter and inside there was a uh, passcode and then you put, go to this website you put the passcode in and you got this free uh, little story what I thought was interesting about this and I did sign up for the the uh, newsletter and it wasn't until it was tipped off to me later uh, that it was there. I just hadn't gone and looked. Uh, but interestingly enough, TARDIS Wiki, if anybody wants to read this, there's a link there 
and the password <laughs> in order to get into it to to read it. So you don't even have to I, sign up I for think the, the newsletter. The last time I checked, the there's not even the password anymore. It's just oh, is that right? So you can just go there and not have to put it in. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm I'm there and it's asking me to put the password in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had gone and it didn't. So that's weird. Yeah. So password may be required. <laughs> what'd you guys think? I enjoyed this story. It wasn't elaborate and it wasn't long, but it gave me a good taste of what to kind of expect from the villains of the the piece. I would agree. I think it um, it gives you enough to whet your appetite for what might be coming. It gives you enough to kind of give you a little bit of insight into what the Katara are and, uh, you know, what, what their uh, motivations might be. And what I think is, is most interesting about it is it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily paint them as like a maleficent or a, a mountain. Oh, this word I'm so stu- uh, the big baddie. It doesn't it doesn't make them malevolent. out to be no, there. You can't you malevolent. Yeah, that word <laughs> baddie. Legopolis. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> malevolent baddie, and and it's it's almost more of a. It's more of a subdued, uh, almost poetic bad guy, uh, which I kind of, is, is sort of intriguing, which almost makes it more of a challenge uh, to when you've got, you know, a, a bad guy of such of a nature. It almost makes it more of a challenge of how do you counter a species or, or a group like this? Yeah, I've always liked villains like this where they are very even keeled and feel like they're, you know doing good even though they're really not i agree i feel like if this was uh you know a new season coming up that uh, at least during the moffat era this would have been the oh we released a little tiny piece of it that's the the, the prelude episode that mm-hmm. doesn't really have anything to do with anything else but yet it's still going to set it all up and we'd have been ooing and awing over it um because it, it, it does that very well it, it sets does. it up and it's who who are these people and uh little uh you know, I know Glenn hates when I use this, but a little Douglas Adamsy with uh, how the villains think of themselves in a way. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm intrigued. I think you hit the nail on the head. This is very much in line with some something that would have dropped just before Moffat season. Uh, st- you know, got ready and got off the ground. Uh, so they 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 do a nice job of kind of recapturing that that. Uh, feeling that you get when when you're looking for something that sets up a big event like this well if you if you uh listeners if you want to read it it is available and just go to the tardis wiki and well heck i'll just tell you the password is (laughs) dark times (laughs) will we we include a link to that in our show notes yeah why not i'll add a link maybe i should link to the wiki page and that way they're they're going there from there Uh, it's just dark times, one word, by the way. All right, well, let's move on to our next review. Now, let's uh, we're going to do the Time Lord Victorious uh, two-parter in uh, by Titan uh, Comics. And I do want to warn our listeners that we get advanced copies of the Titan Comics so that we can review them on the show. And we want to make sure that you know that this actually, as we're recording this, this comic doesn't come out until two days from now so if you're listening tomorrow i i I verified it oh it is tomorrow okay so it comes out well it comes out on the 7th so if you're listening to this and you have not picked your copy up or or read it we will probably get into somewhat spoiler 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 territory (laughs) can't even talk tonight spoiler territory (laughs) um so just be warned, and I think we'll we'll warn you before we get into the heavy discussion of the second part of this. The first part, I think we're pretty much fair game since it's been out for about a month. So, Keith, do you have a synopsis on this one? I do. Defender of the Daleks. The Tenth Doctor awakes in a timeline that is not his own, finding himself pursued impossibly by the entire Dalek Empire. Even more impossibly, the Daleks are losing a battle with a race who ceased to exist long ago. A Dalek Emperor needs help, and there's only one person in the universe more terrifying than Daleks. But can the Doctor ever trust the Dalek Emperor and be and be willing to save his empire? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> What'd you guys think of this one? 
I thought this was a fun two-part story. I was glad it didn't con- it didn't drag out too long, and I felt like the villain could have been fleshed out a little bit more. But the interactions between Ten and the Dalek strategists kind of made up for everything. Any other shortfallings I kind of had, I enjoyed seeing them talk to each other so much that I was okay with everything. See, I didn't feel like I needed to know more about the bad guy. In fact, I like how the, the the story is structured in such a way that it is very mysterious. The Doctor seems to know more about them than he lets on, but also not enough because it's a it's a fairy tale. It's at this point that they're that they're at this legend or fairy tale status where they they existed so long ago that you know they're 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 believed to be stories made up to, to scare, you know, Gallifrey and children. And so I, I like the, the idea of the, there's something monstrous coming that even the Daleks are afraid of. And that's, that's really enough. And especially because when we get to the second part of this, how it's resolved, I think that that works out well, but I would agree, Keith, I think that the, the meat of this story is really the interaction between the 10th doctor and the strategist, the strategist, and um, yeah, count on me to get that word wrong too. And um, <laughs> the their their interaction, uh, just the 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 setup to this is really good. That the doctor shows up, or, or he doesn't even show up. He keeps going to these places, and and the Daleks keep turning up, and and so he finally gives in and goes, okay, what do you guys want? And you know they tell him that they, you know, he's being summoned and, and they need his help. And so he's brought before the emperor and there's this interplay between he and the Daleks that is, I think, crafted very well here because he's very untrusting of the Daleks. But the Daleks are very convincing in in the way that they they need his help. They you know, they're asking for his help. And I think that the the dynamic between the two, uh, between the doctor, and the Daleks and the Dalek emperor in the beginning and then later as he and the Dalek strategists kind of go off and, and, and embark on this adventure to, to unlock the vault with the, with all the weapons in it. Um, I love the dynamic there. I think it's very, it's an interesting thing and it's not something that hasn't been done before because in asylum of the Daleks, you know, the, the Daleks basically uh, employ the doctor to, to help them. Uh, so it's not a new idea, but I think the interplay in this is is done so well and it's written so well. Now I, I will I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I think the first story does a really good job of conveying the tenth Doctor. It's got his voice, it's got his mannerisms, and it's got his personality. Um, by the second book, I felt like the author was trying too hard to continue those mannerisms it's almost like the second book drove it too far does that make sense it's almost like i totally agree with it, you there was enough of it mm-hmm. in this book that once you got to the second one it felt like it was being overdone yeah i i totally agree with you i think the as with many things the first part was was maybe a little better the setup was uh, more satisfactory than the resolution and while i appreciate the mystery of who and what these things are um, working under the assumption that we're probably not going to get them back, that this was just a one-off villain for this particular comic, uh, only to, you know, the comic itself sets up this greater paradox. These were just the villains of this particular chapter of it. Having said that, I kind of wish the comic had a third part, not because it needed to be longer, but just because I felt it would have been paced better. That there were, I felt like, especially in that second part, it felt like there was a lot that was kind of crammed in there and yet a lot that we weren't getting explained. Um, and I think See, a third part would have alleviated some of the pacing of that and allowed the story to breathe some. I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we hadn't read the stories previous to this. Yeah. Because I think... there's, there's Titan comics where 10 and 13 are together and that's all I chalked the paradox conversation up to other than, you know, something dragged him to this alternate timeline. That aspect needs to be explored. Yeah. Oh, I, I just assumed that itself. was a generic, yeah. uh, you know, anytime you meet each other. Yeah. Paradox problems. Okay. You know? Yeah. I yeah. was, I was actually glad cause a lot of times I'll skip over this. I was glad that I read the previously, uh, page at the beginning to kind of catch up because, and I think what caught my eye was the fact, and I think Keith had reported this 
back on our podcast a while back that 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 ten however and, long ago yeah that ten and thirteen were coming together in the comics. But I, what caught my eye was when I was flipping through and I went, oh wait a minute, previously and I saw thirteenth Doctor and tenth Doctor, and that keyed me into oh wait a minute, I sort of remember that they were going to meet in the comics, and so I had read the previously, which kind of led me into the fact that he had just left having been with the 13th Doctor. And so the end of this, while a little bit surprising that she returned, was not... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, spoilers. Was not as much of a shock. Yeah, we're getting into the spoilers of, of of the second story, but was not as much of a shock to me, but was still surprising because I thought, okay, well, we they've obviously wrapped up whatever storyline they had together before this particular story anyway. That's what I thought too. So so it wasn't so jarring for me to have all of that paradoxal discussion, um, but I think it served as a nice treat for anybody that just picked these up and hadn't read them because when 13 shows up, it's kind of a, oh, when they set this whole Time Lord Victorious thing up, they pretty much sold it as 10, uh, 8, 9, and 10 together for this one thing. And I think that's still going to be the meat of it. But now we're sprinkling in 13. We're sprinkling in um, uh, uh, 4 with the announcement of the, the, the new audio that's coming out. Um I wouldn't be surprised, especially because of what they've chosen for the Time Lord Victorious collection for the the Blu-rays. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see something Seventh Doctor related, uh, maybe that mm-hmm. that dies in with with Fenric. And then, I this may be a stretch, but even getting the Third Doctor in there since they've included Planet of the Daleks, maybe there's a maybe they will get a uh, October surprise on that as well. It's possible. Well, and when you look at the you know, breakdown in that Doctor Who magazine. There's, I thought there was a reference to the 13th Doctor, but now I don't see it. So never mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember one. There might have been, but I don't remember. I think I was one. just assuming because of the uh, annual, and Hope, she's on the cover of the annual. Thinking. Well, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, it, I, I don't want to spoil. No, I won't say. 13 does have more of a connection in another way, but that's all I'll say. It doesn't have anything to do with the revelation. Revolution of the dogs. Yeah, it doesn't have, any, have anything to do with revolution of the dogs, but it, it might, who knows? But I, uh, that's not the, that's not the spoilery information that I have yet. I am writing this down and sealing it in an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> do not open till Christmas. Uh, since we're getting into the second one, well, I will warn that we're going to, uh, get into spoilery territory here more than what I've already ruined. <laughs> um, but uh, you were talking about the, the wanting more from the horde. I, I, I'll go back to what I was saying before. Is I, I just think there's just enough, and I think the reason because of the way that they're dispatched and the surprise answer to why they are trying to wipe everything out. It was satisfying enough that. I don't need to know. I know everything I need to know about them based in the revelation of why, what their motivation for killing everything is. Because in they, that, in that regard, I agree with you. I, I, per, I just, I feel like they were dispatched too easily. Because normally and, and the doctor enough to do. Yeah, especially the tenth doctor, he tends to prattle a bit. Not like eleven, but he he would still, you know. I I wanted a, a a page and a half of him musing to himself, going, you know, according to the legends and the folklore and the this, you know, these things were. I wanted the mystery built up more, even if he was just talking to the one they had caged, yeah, uh, and getting nothing but hurts. I I wanted him to, you know, I wanted more mystery solving, and instead I got some jiggery pokery, reverse the polarity, and done. Yeah, I would have probably maybe felt that way if I didn't feel like he was already getting too conversational with himself. And to me, I think in the second story where it falls down is there should have been more more interplay between he and the strategist, the Dalek. Uh, but there's a lot more of him talking through to himself what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the David Tennantisms go kind of 
get pushed over the top because she's trying too hard to maybe it's she's trying too hard to rush to the finish here that she feels like she has to give him a lot more of this inner dialogue although it's all played outer because it's there's no thought bubbles it's all him speaking out loud narratively but it, it i think that's why it feels like it's a little over the top and maybe that i i might have agreed with there needing to be more of that interaction had i not felt like he was getting a little wordy anyway I wonder how much of that is because there isn't a companion other than the strategist. Well, that's probably true, yeah. If, the, yeah. if there was a human to bounce off of, that might not have felt so talky from him and more even. Well, and I guess... Expect the doll- this Dalek talks way more than you expected <laughs> him to. That's true. That's something else. Is I, I, I kind of feel, and maybe that's part of the mystery that will be revealed later, is the, the Dalek strategist, especially, well, since we're getting an action figure, I guess that totally makes sense now. Um, I really hope it has the wound so you can see the eye. <laughs> that is such a cool image. <laughs> I, I thought there would be more of that. You know, just the, 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 there seemed like the doctor was on the cusp of launching another mystery within the mystery of who the strategist is. You don't talk like a normal Dalek. You don't, you know, but it wasn't Davros. So, you know, I think the, the yeah. And they, they kind of explore some of that, but I, I, I definitely feels like there's more under the surface there. I think the only thing that felt maybe a little like a cop out, but I sort of wondered if part of it is because they're going to link back up again later although they certainly part ways at the end but mm-hmm. I what I thought was a little kind of a cheap cop out was 13 showing I mean I while I, I loved the fact that 13 showed up and all that did was make me pine for some of the previous uh, uh, issues that have them working together but I think the one thing that I thought was a cop out was that she sort of just shows up and saves him it's very um, deus ex machina yeah it really is and I mean he does kind of he, he it's him saving the day and he kind of comes up with the resolution, but he has to have somebody bail him out of the escape to get out of there. And I, I don't know that felt a little, that felt a little forced, but. And really other than unlocking the one door, she doesn't even do that much. No, and no she helps him not. boost the sonics signal and that's about it. Right. Right. But she's still there. I mean, if she wasn't there, he probably wouldn't have got out of there on his own. And I guess, <laughs> I guess technically, in a roundabout way, he is just helping himself. So, <laughs> as nice as it was to see her, to me it felt like it was a uh, let's kind of bring her in so she's part of Time Lord Victorious, and then also tie up any potential loose ends from the previous story. Well, it certainly gives them an opportunity to join them back up after this event. So. If that's if that's the uh, intention is you know hey don't forget Thirteenth <laughs> Doctor still her books <laughs> you're right exactly um, what I found interesting was and I didn't realize this until I was reading the article in Doctor Who magazine this is the first time that Titans got a chance to do the Daleks in the comic book I hadn't realized that either isn't that crazy I mean it just seems like I just thought and when I read that I thought no surely we have read something with the Daleks in the comics and i thought i thought i thought no we they have not had the license to do the daleks yet there's such an omnipresent presence in doctor who in general that i think their absence in one particular medium honestly as you say i didn't notice they just well, of course the daleks are there they're always there <laughs> <laughs> they're everywhere Isn't you know so I, I i appreciate and enjoy the fact that titan is going full board as it were with this you know i i i anticipate seeing the daleks in just about every comic that comes out during time lord victorious yeah in some way shape or form they'll be there yeah maybe not but i i i i certainly would use them if i just gotten licensing to them (laughs) well certainly they are one of the heavies in it because they're all over a lot of the um advertising for it the artists are screaming and you know shaking their hands at the ceiling and yelling no as they get out their their compasses so they can draw circles (laughs) right exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's move on to uh monstrous beauty part one and i will tell the listener that um we will not be doing 
both parts of this because there are three parts uh, for one thing and for another the next part of this doesn't come off for another few weeks so we haven't we we don't have we're not privy to uh, the rest of this story so you're only going to get one part of this one so far monstrous beauty the ninth doctor and rose find themselves in a place where no tardis is ever supposed to go the dark times an ancient era forbidden to all time lords the universe is young but war has already been born the vampire alliance is swarming across the cosmos consuming everything in its path the doctor discovers that not all the stories surrounding the time lord history match up with reality but some of the horrors are actually worse than the myths Rose becomes the first human in existence, and that's a very dangerous thing to be. Boy, that is a spoilery <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> mm, that was that's way, from the official website, that too. That is way spoilery. Wow. I'm glad I didn't read that ahead of time. I mean, it was because I thought it was quite a nice surprise to have the vampires show up in this story. I mean, it is relatively and early. And Lords. It is, <laughs> yeah. It is relatively early on, and you do figure that out early on but i just i thought it was kind of a nice little oh this is going to have vampires from the dark times but if i'd have read that i'd have gone oh i bet this story will eventually have <laughs> vampires from the dark times yeah having not read it the, the revelations are just constant of whoa oh what <laughs> from initially rassilon well yeah when the when the first time that the uh the the, the one person in the story she refers to herself as Rassilon. Or actually, somebody refers to her as Rassilon, I think. It yeah, was. I think the scientist yeah. guy. And then the vampires show up. <laughs> Which, so it, I, I appreciated the story. I've always envisioned the vampires that they speak of in Doctor Who. A little less traditional vampire-y. You know, this one guy's the, got kind of a Nosferatu vibe. The, the fact that they look like Nosferatu or from, you know, what we do in the shadows. Um, <laughs> kind of just took me out of the story a little bit. I, I, I guess I expected more. I think I'm all right. The trope. I think I'm more. I think I'm all right with it, though, because within either State of the K itself or within something that I read. There's an Eighth Doctor story that deals with the vampire lore. There's obviously... I think that's goth opera. No, it wasn't goth opera. It was... Oh, that's Fifth Doctor. Yeah. Uh, Fifth Doctor Nissa. I want to say blood something. It was like the second the second or third Eighth Doctor adventure. I uh, can't remember what it was called. But anyway, it, it was the one that... Uh, we haven't reviewed it, so never mind. Uh, but anyway, I don't remember <laughs> where it was, but somewhere that alludes to the fact that our modern idea of vampires comes from these and so i've always been accepting to the fact that they would have this more gothic look to them because the, of that throwaway reference that our idea or our legend of vampires comes from this uh you know uh, species from the dark times so i've always been sort of okay with it as opposed to the uh, the lord and the lady of the castle that Edric is all, yes, absolutely, turn me, I'll be yours. Right, well, right. even even that has a, a, a very gothic feel to it. I think that's very much in line with, uh, it, those aren't the very Nosferatu type, but, I mean, that's very much in line with the other vampires, well. Like the Count Dracula's. Yeah, well, and, and the other vampires that we see in this book. I mean, even the, the, the ladies on the throne kind of have, they kind of embark that same... They 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 give off the brides of Dracula feel to them. Yes, the they they do. But I'm I'm trying to equate them to Sean was saying, unlike the the ones in State of Decay. But I think they very much are like the ones in State of Decay. Well, I'm sorry, I meant uh, unlike the ones in State of Decay, whereas these have the more Nosferatu features versus the ones in State of oh, Decay, I see. which are more uh, you know humanoid oh okay i got uh, you I got vampires you. in disguise yes, yes. I, I i i kind of agree with you glenn i've always taken just based off state of decay i've kind of always assumed that well we have you know vampires and then you have vampires with a y and then you have the great vampire which is you know that they're kind of there's steps in there just like a normal vampire doesn't look anything like you know the true nosferatu or, or the original dracula you know in my mind yeah, that there 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 are stages. So 
I, I was okay with it. I like the idea of their ships. The fact that the ships can, you know, uh, swarm in their millions. They drink whole species, whole worlds dry. That's the kind of vampire I kind of more imagined, I guess. Well, I think they're that too. I think that's what allows for that is, is both of those descriptors, both what we see and what we, what, what is described to them uh, in yeah. that particularly, I think is to me, I think they both work. They're kind of work hand in hand. How do you sign up to be a, a member of that fleet? Cause just, just the ease of, I'm hungry, and you bite into a, a fluid link, you yeah, know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the reverse could also, you know, be, oh, the ship's damaged. Well, we don't need the new recruits. You know what I did not like about this? What's that? Uh, Rose. Oh, really? Is that yeah. because it's Rose? There was, there was Rose in a story, and you didn't like her? I, uh, I'm no, so it, shocked and surprised. Th- th- that's not the reason. <laughs> I, I did not like her because it was Donna. The dialogue, the the voice, everything that came out of her was far too feisty for Rose. Um, even depending upon which era of Nine and Rose this is, I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt and assuming it is set late. Um, but it, it's still she she sound. I, I would read her lines, and it just that's that's a Donna line. That's a Donna the, the way she's smart talking back to the vampires, and she she I don't know. It it just it just felt wrong. Huh. I that's strange that you say that because I felt that it was very much in line with Rose. In fact, really? I, I really kind of felt like Rose here I, I felt like Rose's voice was much better in this than the doctor's even. In fact I felt the doctor I don't felt I felt the doctor didn't quite match the ninth doctor personality in this. There were times and there were there were there were glimmers of it. But there are there were a lot of things where I just felt like he wasn't very ninth doctory. I don't I don't know that I could have said you know he was more like tenth doctor. He was more like eighth doctor. It was just it just didn't feel like David Tennant's or not David Tennant, uh, Christopher Eccleston's doctor. And I don't know why. I know I can't really put my finger on it. Mm, now that I disagree with, I definitely got the ninth vibe off of him. <laughs> funny. Keith, where do you weigh in? <laughs> I got the ninth doctor vibe off of him, and. I thought, while it felt very much like Rose, she did feel elevated a little bit more so than her normal characterization. So kind of in between you two. I wonder if he didn't feel so much like the Ninth Doctor to me because the Ninth Doctor was always very fascinated with what was happening and interested in what what was next. But he spent so much time understanding that he had to get out of here, that they couldn't be here, that maybe that was, was, was taking away from it because I really kind of expect the ninth doctor to be more, you know, let's check this out. Whereas he knew he couldn't. So maybe that's why. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, it was ninth doctor in panic mode, you know, <laughs> not ninth doctor See, versus it, the, I just don't uh, think... the nesting at the very end of Rose or ninth doctor versus yeah, the, the time there's... paradox in father's day. Nah, I, I buy it. I guess I can see that now that you point those stories out because I've never really thought of panicky. Ninth Doctor, but, but now that now that you point those out, there are those moments where he has gone into that same. Maybe panicky is the wrong word. Maybe um, much louder Doctor. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if it's much louder. I I think panicky is the right word. It, he he does certainly have a in those particular stories you pointed out. He does certainly have a you know we shouldn't be doing this attitude, which he does have here as well. So. I think my other thing that bothered me about this, and it, and it and it's probably just maybe, and I don't have enough reference material under my belt, but if this is pre-Time Lord, with if, if I understand this right, this is pre-Rassilon and, and all of them uh, adapting Time Lord technology, and we have to assume that this is pre- um, or at least early- uh, Timeless Child era for the Doctor. Yeah. Rassilon being a woman is very counter to a lot of stuff that has come. I, I appreciate that they did it. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I, I think that this it's an, it was an interesting step to make Rassilon a woman in this. If indeed this is the same Rassilon that becomes, you know, uh, High President of Gallifrey. But 
it, it, it flies in the face of a lot of the material that has come before that has Rassilon as a male, even in the dark times. And if they aren't able to regenerate or change their appearance at this point, then this does contradict that. And I'm hoping that at least somewhere this will be addressed in this. three. You know, we, we are early on. This is the first part of the three part story arc. So maybe there will be more to this or we'll find out more. So I'm kind of giving it some wiggle room. But right now it just doesn't feel right. Uh, again, I don't have a problem with Rassilon being a woman, but there has to be a good explanation to make it work with everything else that's either come before or will come since makes me wonder if it ties into that weird alternate timeline that we had in the beginning of the last story well there could be two but it doesn't although i don't think he really addresses it but the the doctor doesn't seem surprised Mm -mm. at any point that that is rassilon oh wait a minute was there a point where he was surprised by that i i kind of took it whatever whatever reaction that was though was that I guess it's just the look on his face when somebody it's, summons it's more Commander Rassilon. The confirmation of where he is more yeah, than who it is. Yeah, and that's probably what that's where I took away from the face as to not necessarily who this is in front of him, but where he is at the time. Yeah. Because as soon as like he's able after that, he tries to escape, and yeah, that's it's it's more of getting out of the situation than wow, it's. Rassilon, what? Yeah, Yeah, he does. uh, There's a panel. I'm not sure what page this is on, but right when the attack starts, and the uh, the the communicator uh, says, "Commander Rassilon," we pick up a brief echo. He has quite a surprised look on his face. He is beyond shocked. But again, I, I I sort of took that as he's shocked to realize where he's at, and not so much that that is Rassilon. I agree. I I don't. I don't think with with everything that has come or will come uh, about how blasé uh, time Lords are about um, sexual changes in their regenerations. I don't think that necessarily is what the doctor is reacting to. I think you're right that it's the confirmation of, Oh, commander Rassilon. Okay. This is really early. Right. Right. That that's more of the, of, of the shock factor involved. And we've always heard, Oh, Rassilon led the great, you know, war from the Time Lords against the, the the vampires, but we don't know how long that took. So yeah. I'm okay with it. I from, think from the standpoint of yeah, if they explain it, great. If not, I'm, I'm not going to get hung up on it. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, on the other hand, though, again, it, it it where are they? Where do we throw in the idea that the the Time Lords had? figured out regeneration i guess that's that's my problem is i'm looking for more of a time stamp of where this is yeah and i want to know i guess again there are two more parts that maybe we'll flesh that out and and, and maybe i shouldn't concern myself until we get to the end of the third part and they haven't (laughs) they haven't identified (laughs) well this is obviously set before that well and tardis wiki points out that this isn't the first instance where somebody's referred to uh, Rassilon being a woman in his first incarnation. Oh, is that right? Okay, so well, that's why I say uh, the, I don't. The Infinity Doctors Omega says that claims that a timeline where Rassilon was a woman was one of several possible timelines. Okay. So we're still dealing with a potential offshoot then, which right. technically does make sense right. when you consider the paradox the Tenth Doctor went through. That maybe whatever this Time Lord Victorious is is going to be nothing but a series of. And reading those articles from the Doctor Who magazine, it talks about there's something the Tenth Doctor does that creates this whole event. Right. And that's potentially could splinter off a different timeline. That's true. Whatever that thing he is. <laughs> Tiptoe uh, through the spoilers. Which I, I, I'm not tiptoeing. I don't know. I do. I'm not I, trying to I'm avoid it. I just don't know. <laughs> I really. I just. I. I like this. I was. It was a nice setup. Um. I did not have a problem at all with Rose. Um. And even though I did feel that that nine wasn't quite nine for me, the story is still really good. It's really intriguing. It's um, a very strong story. It is. It's and really, it, you know, really good. It's. It. You know, put the put the companion in peril uh, to set up the cliffhanger ending. It's kind of a trope, but I. I, I think it works here. I look forward to reading the rest. 
I think that's I really know what, it, want it, to know what happens. It does. It whets your appetite really well. What's going on here, kind of thing. Plus, it's uh, spooky time and we get vampires. So I'm a happy man. <laughs> Plus, there were great vampires. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were vampires. They may not have been so great, but. <laughs> Any, cool. any excuse for me to drag uh, State of Decay off the shelf. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. Dust it off and take another look. Or um, buy it on Blu-ray. And we should say that that's, uh, that was from uh, issue 556 of Doctor Who magazine, uh, if you're looking for that. And the next one will be in 557, which releases, I think, in a couple of weeks. So I, That is something that, I, just as a, a footnote, I thought was rather interesting is... Um, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that Panini still was doing the comics in in Doctor Who magazine, uh-huh, uh-huh. as opposed to you know because we read so much IDW that Titan or Titan. Pardon me. I, well, we used to read so much IDW. Now we read so much Titan. Right. That. Uh, well, and and you know, the, I think of what I find is interesting about that, and this was years ago when Titan first took over the license. Was uh, Titan only has the license in the U.S. In fact. Panini still retains the rights in the UK, um, but Panini does not release independent issues. And so I was, I found it interesting to f- that Titan was going to be involved in this because I think Titan can be sold over in the UK with no problem, but they have to be sold in shops that have imported from the US. Now, again, this was a few years ago when Titan first optioned license on it. So this may have changed since then. But there's a weird distribution thing because Panini still has the rights to comics in the UK. So it, it's it's kind of bizarre how it works out. But maybe they've worked that differently where they can distribute in the, in the UK now. Well, Sean, we've got more Time Lord Victorious coming up. So, uh, well, what can you tell us about the sh- schedule? We've Behind the scenes here, things have, have been rearranged and changed a little bit. So can you give us a little a little peek into what people can expect from us next time? I absolutely will. But first, I forgot to mention something. The Vault of Obscenities. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yet oh, another, yeah. Great yeah. Yeah. another great Time name. Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and this, is, this isn't even a Time War thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they didn't try to highlight specific things in the vault. It was just such a nebulous, there's weapons. Yeah. 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 They didn't spend too much time trying to come up with other stuff. Just the vault. Yeah, that one kind of looks like it's done. Enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what I like about that is you can imagine that a lot of those weapons and things from the Time Lord, the time from the Time Warp, were probably also been around since the Dark Times. So <laughs> all of those were probably named as far back as then as well. So that's true. Well, the only thing on the schedule that we can 100% confirm that's coming up uh, is that we will be uh, returning with a look at the night, the fool and the dead, which is our first foray into a book format with time Lord Victorious. won't be the last. And uh, we will, we will get more things kind of sort of finalized and walk you through October, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, Sean is is uh, currently working on the schedule, so that will uh, be posted at our uh, website. You may not get everything right away, but we're going to try to lead you along so that you at least can prepare for what we're uh, going. It would to be so doing. much easier if they would stop changing it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it hasn't been entirely them; it's been us getting reference materials too. Oh so. <laughs> no, I am totally on board with this wibbly wobbly timey limey scheduling technique. <laughs> <laughs> that these folk are, are using, utilizing. He's all about that. It's a big ball of scheduling stuff. <laughs> well, be sure to check out the website, travelingthevortex.com, for updates. And uh, if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by uh, clicking on a Patreon link on our uh, website and consider supporting us. And thank you to those of us, those of you who are supporting us. Uh, every bit of uh, your support goes right back into this podcast. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review on whatever or wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It helps bump up the ratings, and uh, it certainly gets us higher up in the recommendations. Uh, we're recommended more among Duck Who uh, podcasts uh, when you do that. It kind of gets the word out and gets uh, more listeners for us. 
uh, which is a good thing. Also, don't forget to uh, jump over onto the uh, listeners forum and on uh, Facebook. On Facebook, you can uh, meet and greet uh, virtually, you know, social distancing and whatnot, uh, with uh, other fans and listeners such as yourselves, or you can interact with us and, uh, you know, fun times. I am so glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about and I really almost (laughs) forgot it. But the only reason you remembered it is because we've had this thing for a year and you just finally got on there, Sean. It is is fresh (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) If you've been waiting... To jump over onto the listeners forum until there was something worth discussing. Now Sean's I'm there. on there now. Yeah. So uh, no, but seriously, we plan. Now to you u- control him really well. We plan to utilize that <laughs> listener forum more. Uh, we want to be able to interact uh, with our listeners, and uh, we feel that's kind of the best way to do it. Uh, kind of gives everybody a voice. It gives everybody a chance to discuss and talk about what we're reviewing, what we're talking about. Uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions on the things that we're talking about there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You can find that by going to our Traveling the Vortex Facebook page, and there'll be a link on there. And uh, I think you ha- do have to uh, join, but uh, anybody is welcome to join. Anything else that I may have missed that uh, we need to talk about? Be nice to each other. All right. If that's going to do it for this time, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. No, I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. Are you sure you can't give me a hint as to what your open was? Murder toilets. <laughs> no, I feel like I've hyped it too much. Yeah, now I, now I don't need to listen to it. It's, it's ruined. Then we didn't even talk Thanks about a lot, it. Keith. Then we didn't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.